You want your five star matches? You want your thirty minute classics? Not me. Big meaty man slapping me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Slapping Me to Wrestling podcast. My name is Randall Beatley. I am the host. Let's dive right on into this episode. Just a, uh, I guess, housekeeping thing. If the microphone sounds a little bit, you know, more like you could hear, like, I don't know how to, like, interference or whatever. Anyway, what I was trying to say is my, uh, um, damn, now I've done forgot what the damn thing was called. But the thing that's sort of like, um, the screen that stops from you hearing, like, sharp sounds, like, when I say, like, you can hear that, right? Um, the screen broke. So, um, just letting you know the audio is going to sound a little bit different until I can get a new one in. To uh, put in front of the microphone. Um, so I'm trying to sit farther away from the mic. Uh, but you're still going to hear. Still going to pick up some of that um, that sound. Um, anyway, let's dive on into this episode. I'm recording right after literally Monday Night Raw. Literally just ended. I just turned off the TV. Um, I don't like to do these type of shows in terms of like review the show, but I think I'm going to start doing them in a little bit more in 2023, um, where I, it allows me, um, and and almost sort of forces me to watch the show. Um, and so I'll do it for raw SmackDown, and that's probably going to be the only two where I'll do a review episode of the the actual show um so let's when i review this it isn't going to be let's go ahead and set up some ground rules of how this will work um when i review shows um the review is not you know um let's go match by match or segment by segment it's more of Let's talk about the show as a whole, what I liked about the show, what I disliked about the show, and what I think should be better or what was done perfectly well, right? Um, and so, what this episode has uh, has completely 100% showed me is the only thing on the WWE roster right now that can get a crowd excited is the bloodline. That, that is the only reason that the bloodline was literally fed through the entirety of this show. It is the only reason, right? Triple H recognized, you know, 
week after week after week, there were lulls in the show where the things that were boring people, where there was no crowd interaction, if we throw in the bloodline at some point, it picks them back up. So why don't we do this story, at least with the story with Kevin Owens, hey, we're going to attack the whole locker room, no one's safe, and the bloodline can show up at any time during the show. That allows for WWE to make up for some lack of of actual storytelling. Um, So that's the thing I think that's really bothering me about Raw. Um, Not necessarily SmackDown. SmackDown has its own issues. We'll discuss that on Friday. Um, But with Raw, at least, it seems to me that Raw has been, when the bloodline's not there, essentially... Just three hours of, of wrestling matches. Because there's no storyline on Raw outside of the bloodline that has any interest to me whatsoever. Um, the, the Judgment Day thing, I'm completely over the Judgment Day. Um, I'm completely over anything that has to do with the Judgment Day. Um, I'm over the OC's rivalry. Like, what... Wh- how... Because what's going to happen is they're going to come back and do the finish the OC versus Judgment Day probably at like WrestleMania. That's probably where they're going to end it. And it's going to be a, a, like to me at that point, I'm not going to care. Right. Um. So we start the show off with uh, Street Profits um, accompanied to the ring. By Akira Tozawa um, versus Finn and Damian Priest, which in and of itself is not a bad match, um, but the Judgment Day is borderline comedic at this point, and so anyone that sort of does a feud with them or a match against them or some sort of rivalry against them, it almost to me diminishes the people they work with. Um, and so the Street Profits are now comedy wrestlers that should be being pushed to the moon. Um, and a big problem with the tag division on Raw is that the Usos do have their tag belts. I was never a fan of them combining them together. Because um, it, it literally, the only belt, you have the women's tag belt, the women's actual like singles belt. And then the United States Championship. That's all you have to, to, to fight for. And you have three hours of programming where there's where two-thirds of the show is people fighting for no reason, right? Um, and, and so you start with this match. Wasn't a bad match. But I need y'all to understand, at least in my point of view, In my point of view, I need y'all to understand, the weekly show shouldn't be about, let's put on banger after banger after banger after banger every single week leading up to the pay-per-view, because then the pay-per-view match doesn't mean a damn thing. If all you're going to do is have Street Profits face Judgment Day and have them fight eight weeks leading up to Royal Rumble... 
the Royal Rumble match isn't going to mean anything to me if they were to be in a feud against each other. It's just not going to mean anything because I've already seen it. This was sort of my big problem with Triple H and NXT was his weekly NXT programming was just match after match after match with different finishes, but essentially the same match. And everything is so 50-50. And when I say 50-50 booking, what I mean by that is, is if you have, you know, if you have seven matches leading up to uh, the the pay-per-view match, right? Let's just say I was fighting John Doe, right? And we had seven matches, you know, before the pay-per-view match. 50-50 booking would be like for every win I get, I lose. So say I win match one. I'll then lose match two and then win match three. Let's say I win match four, but then I lose the next two matches. So 50-50 booking essentially is no one really gets over. And, and, and I feel that way with the Judgment Day, is that everything is so 50-50. Street Profits go over one week, and then the Judgment Day goes over the next week. And then no one really goes over at the feud because we're all so sick and tired of seeing them fight. Um, But like I said, it wasn't a bad match necessarily. Um, I'm just, like I said, I'm just so over Judgment Day as a gimmick because they had the potential of being... You know, these badass people who walked in, destroyed the division, challenged the Usos, won the titles, and sort of just dominated, and sort of being Monday Night Raw's bloodline. You had that potential of making Judgment Day something super special. Um, But instead, to me, I mean, this was even went back with the Edge and and Dominic and and, uh, Rey Mysterio thing. You make it sort of a, a... a bottom tier, bottom card comedy gimmick to where no one goes over and it's just a little bit of jokes. And Damian Priest, I'll be honest, he's very good at some of this comedic timing in his promos. Damian Priest could do it. I just don't think anyone else in the group is good. Now, Dom is really good at playing the uh, submissive little bitch character that he plays, right? And Rhea's really good at what she does. Finn is the little is the weak point to me because all Finn Balor really is is a glorified indie star. I've never truly been a fan of Finn Balor. I thought the demon was pretty fun. But outside of the mystique of the demon gimmick, I don't understand the hype around Finn Balor. Um, to me, he's just another one of your normal indie wrestlers that, that, that you worship on AEW, or on Impact, or on ROH, or on the indie scene. He, he, nothing that Finn Balor does to me gets him over to me, right? And, and, and that's a majority of the Raw roster. So I made a TikTok earlier today saying, I, I, well, I made two of them during Raw. The first one was, nothing is getting over in WWE quite like the Bloodline. That's why they're being weaved through the entire show. And then the second one is going to addresses the question I'm about to ask. So you end this match with an Akira Tozawa uh, interference where he throws what is assumed 
to be alcohol into the eyes of Dominic Mysterio, which apparently the mist now, like, damages your eyes. Um, and so Dominic is, you know, he was wearing glasses and either he took them off or they got knocked off and then the alcohol went in his eyes. And so Rhea then attacks Akira Tozawa after Street Profits win. Um, he, she comes up to Akira Tozawa and says, what's wrong with you? Blah, 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 blah. Throws a punch, hits him, says, I want you in a match. Which we come back from commercial and then the match is starting. Now, anyone with a fucking brain would understand that Akira Tozawa wouldn't, first off, would not have gotten any offense in. And two, is a comedy gimmick. And so this is essentially a squash match, right? Anyone with a fucking brain knew that WWE wouldn't have Akira Tozawa actually have any offense against Rhea Ripley. You have sponsors. You have all of these things to answer for if you show a man hitting a woman on national TV. Right? And you can't use the excuse that, oh, it's scripted. It's not real. Especially when when you have toy deals. And especially when you are aiming your programming at children. Right? That makes for a tough conversation for anyone to have this day. Right, so the idea of even putting it on TV, and I'm sorry for that, that that sound. I, I just the wind screen is bro- that's what it's called. It's broken, so you just got to get used to it. But the idea of putting that on TV in the first place is insane to me. That's not what the t- my TikTok said, by the way. You can go to my TikTok, we two deep four one three W E T O O D E E P. 413 you can you can watch comment I want I, I I want you guys to go and comment with me right I know I talk shit about the IWC all the time here's the thing I want the IWC to listen to my stuff so that we can have this discussion I love debating and discussing my beliefs versus their beliefs um, because I don't think they truly understand the casual point of view. And from a casual point of view, this segment makes no sense, right? It makes no sense. So my question is, who benefits from Akira Tozawa versus Rhea Ripley? Who benefits? Because here's my thinking, right? I'm going to explain my, my processing, on, on what led me to ask this question. Well, Akira Tozawa obviously is not going to benefit from being pinned by Rhea Ripley. The Street Profits don't benefit from it, from even being a part of this segment. They're, they have now sort of crossed into comedy gimmick. right? So the Street Profits get a demotion. Akira Tozawa can't go any, any lower. He's already a jobber comedy type gimmick, which is why they threw him in this. Because it's just comedy gimmick versus comedy gimmick at this point. Um, And so, Dom, Finn, or Damian Priest, they don't benefit from having this match at all. This doesn't benefit Judgment Day as a whole having this match. So the only answer you can really say would be Rhea Ripley. 
And my question with that is how does defeating a comedy gimmick uh, cruiserweight who I'm 100% certain Rhea Ripley has the weight and height advantage over Akira Tozawa. So, and that's not a bad thing, by the way. That's not a bad thing. But I don't think it benefits Rhea Ripley the way that a lot of the hardcore fans think that it benefits Rhea Ripley. Um, Right? So, Akira Tozawa, first off, jobber, comedy gimmick, literally had zero offense the entire match. So all this became was a squatch match for Rhea Ripley that took way too long for it to be a squash match, right? So they tried to present like it was going to be an actual match by having it go several false false finishes when what they should have done was had Rhea destroy the shit out of Akira Tozawa. If you were going to do this, have the bell ring and a, and, and a boot to Akira Tozawa then Riptide and end the damn segment. But instead, you go multiple... I think they went at least one commercial break. We had several false finishes. Akira Tozawa does a Hurakurana sort of in defense and gets a pin, which gets kicked out of. And then... I just don't understand how this benefits Rhea. What would benefit Rhea Ripley is rejoining the women's division and beating up on some of the the mid-card women on the roster, which would allow the women to have more shine on the roster. Because right now, on the Raw roster, who are the women that we see? We see Becky, we see Bailey, we see Damage Control, which is Dakota Kai and EO Sky. Right? In the women's division, you got Becky, Bailey, EO Sky, Dakota Kai. And then... Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss. Asuka every now and then. Nikki Cross has sort of disappeared. Mia Yim shows up with the OC but doesn't really wrestle. Right? Candice LeRae every now and then. Right? So have Rhea Ripley go over there. Have her beat up Mia Yim. Have her beat up Candice LeRae. And... And and, and blow through damage control. And have her beat Asuka. And have her beat... Um, Eosky and Dakota Kai and have her beat up Bailey and Becky and 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 shove her away and say I want Bianca. Right now, I had someone answer my TikTok, which I asked who benefits, and he said, "Well, Rhea benefits. It's going to help her in the Royal Rumble." To which I asked, "Please explain to me how." I don't see how this benefits her going into the Rumble, beating up on Akira Tozawa, who three months ago was chasing. Dana Brooke for the 24-7 title. I just don't see how this benefits anyone from putting on this segment. So to me, if, if, if it doesn't advance the story, if it doesn't make it better, then it shouldn't be on TV. right? That time could have went to building either a new story with someone else or advancing another story that has already grown on. right? So now we get... Um, Miz and Dexter Loomis at some point, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember the order of things. I'm just talking about some of the things that stuck with me. All right. So this match, you know, the money starts going in the air, two bags, winner take all right. And Loomis seems to look like he's going to win. Right. It's not, again, not a bad match. Um, 
it wasn't a bad match. It just, to me, it just went way too long. A lot of these matches just go way too long. And again, to me, this is just lazy booking. It's, it's, we're going to throw on six to seven 30 minutes matches, maybe one 15 or, or something in between. Weave some of the bloodline storyline through the show. And then, right. And then hopefully it all ends, right? So this match ends with Miz getting both the bags after Bronson Reed interferes and attacks Dexter Loomis. Now, I personally do not remember Bronson Reed if he had a uh, a story going on with Dexter Loomis when they both got released. I don't think they did. I don't know if they had any beef in NXT. I honestly don't remember. It's been, what, like six to eight months since they've been released, um, which is crazy to think about. But um, I'm happy Bronson Reed is back. He was, right, when the releases started happening in 2021, um, early in early 2022, like when the releases started happening, Dakota Kai and Bronson Reed were the two that I was most upset about. I didn't necessarily care about the rest of the people released. Dakota Kai and um, Bronson Reed were the two that I was most upset about. Dakota, because I I was just very frustrated with their story, with the storytelling they had with her, where like she got to a certain point and then they sort of gave up on her and had her restart and did the same storyline with a different person, right? And NXT, if you watch her booking, it's basically the same thing. I befriend someone. We become tag champions. I get jealous of them. I turn on them. And then we we, we do this. I stop. Uh, I don't show up for two or three weeks. And then we restart the cycle again. Right? She did it with Tegan. Did it with Rhea. Did it with Raquel. She was starting it with Wendy Chu. Uh, I don't know if she ever finished the turn before she got cut or not. But, you know. Right? Um, but Bronson Reed, I thought, had a lot of potential. He was teasing joining the um, the bloodline right before he got cut. And that's, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. That's where they need to put him. Right? I, I get that the way they sort of sold this was um, Miz hired him or, or something. That this was of the Miz's doing. Um, what I would have had Bronson Reed do is have Miz. Right, I wouldn't have booked it that way. So it's the sort of ru- that sort of ruined where I would have taken the story. I would have had Bronson Reed come out there, have Miz win his money back, and make it act like he was doing it for Miz, but really he was doing it for the Bloodline, and he attacks Miz after takes the money. And we see him walk into the Bloodlines locker room. And he becomes another member of the Bloodline. Right? Um, and and I would have him in a match against Gunther. And have him win the IC title. Right? That's where I would go. Either him or Solo. It doesn't really necessarily matter. I get he's not actual Bloodline. But he is of Polynesian descent. He he Like I said, he teased it with the IC title right before he got released. Um, and I, I just think that would be the best fit for him is 
in that role where he doesn't necessarily have to um wrestle every week cuz let's just be honest he's not the most like he got no reaction right so you got to build him this would instantly give him credibility um but you have like like he he's not going to get the, the the Monday Night Raw crowd behind him because of how the crowd is made up. Like if it was made up of solely independent wrestling fans who know who who knew Jonah in the indie scene, absolutely they would pop for him, right? But he got zero reaction from the crowd. Now I had reaction. I about threw my phone halfway across the apartment here. Um. But that's just because I know who he is, right? And But here's the thing. Triple H can't expect his Raw audience to know who these NXT, NXT guys are and then NXT girls are. You can't expect your audience to have that, that preconceived knowledge. And, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick did a very fucking awful job presenting Bronson Reed. They did an also they did an awful job when Gargano came back. They did an awful job when Candice came back. They just haven't been able to get these NXT people over by by announcing who they are. Like Michael Cole, I feel would have done a better job doing this. And so what I would do even now, like what I would have done is had him attack Miz backstage at least do something to disconnect him from Miz and 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 put him with the bloodline. Even if it's have him come out on, on Friday and attack somebody, and and, or have him walk into the Bloodlines locker room, do something, right? Um, just to to get these people over. But the commentating now that I mentioned it, it's that that is part of the problem on Raw. No diss to Corey Graves. He to me he used to be number two. In, in in the company with Michael Cole being what Michael Cole still won I'd say um Corey's down to four now I think Wade Barrett's two I think Vic Joseph is does a very awesome job at NXT he I think he has the hardest job having the to, to sort of rein in Booker T who was probably the worst commentator in the company or maybe the worst commentator of all time I don't understand why they put him there. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't understand why Booker T is on commentary. Because a lot of times he he doesn't pay attention to what Vic is saying. And so it just makes for an awkward relationship. The only really thing that I like that he does is when he goes, Oh, shucky ducky, quack, quack, baby. Or whatever, right? And that's not even original. Like, he stole that. Um, I think from a comedian. But... It's not really stolen. It's more of a paying homage to it, but it's not even something original. Um, where were we? Jonah or Bronson Reed coming back? I'm happy for it as long as they sort of present him to be this strong guy who can. Like, I would have brought him back at NXT. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I think you have to bring some of these guys back to NXT, right? Bronson Reed could have shown up in NXT. And been a legitimate challenger to um to, to Braun Breaker, 
or to Wesley for that title. Um, moving forward, I'm trying to think of what else really stood out to me. The rest of the show was just, I mean, you had the little backstage segment interview with Alexa and Bianca, um, where the little Firefly logo popped up on the screen and Alexa turned and smashed Bianca over the head. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm over this Bray Wyatt story. And I know, I know there are going to be hardcore wrestling fans out there. There are going to be hardcore members of TikTok, WrestleTalk, or Twitter, or the IWC as a whole, who are going to say, you're just impatient, you don't like it because you're getting bored. But you're right, I am getting bored. The storyline has not progressed. I don't... Right, you're right. The, the, the argument that I've, that I've heard to me is they're, they're going to draw this out to WrestleMania. That's too long to not give answers. I need some answers. Like I would be perfectly okay with what they're doing if you're giving if you gave me answers to questions you present me. Um and so like my biggest problem is if I understand that Wyatt 6. I understood this the night he came back that Wyatt 6 wasn't going to be a faction. That Wyatt 6 was essentially going to be Bray Wyatt's battling his inner inner demons. But my question with that is, is with this storyline, what's the payoff? Is the payoff Bray fighting Bray? Like, what's the payoff? Is Bray going to have a match with Uncle Howdy, which is supposed to be Bray's, like, inner thoughts or whatever? Is that what the match is going to... Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the payoff. I honestly don't care mostly about how long it's taking, I'm more upset with the lack of story that is actually being presented. So if you take a look at this, this, the teasers leading up to Bray Wyatt's return were about two and a half, three months long. We're now running about two and a half to three months post-return. In total time, I've invested about four to five months of time into this storyline. And all I've gotten at this point is the woe is me, um, schizophrenic or bipolar, whatever the hell mental disorders that he has. And there's an Uncle Howdy. But I don't know who Uncle Howdy is. I really don't know anything about him. He's apparently controlling Bray Wyatt. He's apparently controlling Alexa Bliss. But we don't have answers to what the hell is going on. And we're almost six and a half months into if you count the, the teasers, which I do because you've been essentially telling us the story for six months at this point. You've been telling us the story for a long time. And we've gotten zero payoff at this point. I don't necessarily, I don't want Bray Wyatt to wrestle. I'm going to be completely honest. But like if we could talk about Friday segment real quick, since we're talking about it, right? Bray Wyatt's getting stomped the fuck out. He's laughing, which is understandable. It tells a good story. 
that he's not afraid of being, you know, the, he doesn't feel pain. That's cool. But if, if, if Uncle Howdy was there to sort of scare, what's his name? Um, Eli, um, not Eli Drake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, L.A. Knight. If he was there to, to stop L.A. Knight from attacking Bray Wyatt, what are you doing just standing at the entrance? Would you not have made an actual save, even if it was supernatural in a way, to where the lights went out and uh, shit, L.A. Knight was uh, like tied up on the ropes or something? Um, but but you have this, you you sort of do this entrance where Uncle Howdy walks out to the entrance. He does his little bow, tips his hat a little bit, doesn't take the hat off. I don't know if the hat comes off or not. It's a mask, but, and then he just sort of stands there and does the laugh while Bray Wyatt is getting stomped at, which in storyline mode, LA Knight should have never stopped stomping. So what exactly did you save? It's just progressing super slow. You're, you're giving me little nuggets, but you're not giving me full meals of, 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 of replenishment, but you're adding more questions, right? So it's essentially like you're making the hunger larger by, by, by feeding me little nuggets, right? Have you ever got a craving for something? And then you, you, you taste just a little up. So maybe you like Lay's potato chips and right. The saying is like, you can't only eat one potato chip, right? So you eat one. If someone were to feed you one potato chip and then take the bag away from you, wouldn't you have more cravings? And wouldn't that make you frustrated as you go week by week, only getting one chip at a time because it's adding to your hunger, right? So you're adding more questions to me that I'm asking, what is like, like my main one is what is going on? Why haven't you answered anything else yet? Right? I'm not trying to complain about the story because I'm sure it is a good story, but at some point you have to give me some substance. You can't just continue to do the same thing and have Bray Wyatt do promo after promo after promo after promo after promo where I get zero answer. And then you have L.A. Knight here who's sort of just caught up in the middle of this because when you're in this storyline with Bray Wyatt, right, you're the supporting cast. You're not the star of the show because everything going on about this story has nothing to do with L.A. Knight, who he is, or his motivations, right? All this has to do is about Bray Wyatt, and you're not giving me anything. So you're going to take away, you know, two, three, four months of L.A. Knight's time and wrap him up in, in a storyline where he doesn't benefit from it. And at the end of the day, even if him and Bray do fight, Bray Wyatt's got to go over. I just want answers. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not trying to complain. I really am not. I literally just want answers. And, and this is my problem with Triple H booking. Is that everyone sort of has... The same opinion about Triple H that they do about Tony Khan. That he's sort of like this genius of booking. Because he's not Vince McMahon. And there's nothing that backs up that Triple H is doing anything better than Vince McMahon has. I just don't see it. What? Because he's not... You know, putting on gimmick matches or or super cringy gimmicks. Look, 
Vince McMahon wasn't good at what he did at this point either. He was 20 years behind the times. But if all you're going to do is just throw match after match after match with no storyline for it, I don't want to watch that either. Raw, for the most part, was pretty good. It was like a C, maybe a C minus, but it, it it has to be better. Like It could have been better if you fed storylines and made actual stories out of some of this rather than giving me, you know, two hours of, or two and a half hours of wrestling in like 30 minutes of, because the only real storyline we got fed tonight was what? The bloodline is here and they're attacking everybody. That's all we got. They started the show attacking and then you ended the show with the bloodline. You ended the show with Sami Zayn trying to attack from behind Kevin Owens who turns around and stops him and then Sami runs away. Which is eventually going to set up to whatever the, the ending is, whether it's Sammy turning on the bloodline or Sammy attacking Kevin. I don't know what the storyline is. I think that we'll have to wait to Royal Rumble to find out. I, I That's where I think the turn will happen. And then I think Sam Sammy Zayn will turn on the bloodline at Royal Rumble. I think... Uh, that gives them about a month of time, about two, actually about three weeks of time to sort of put K- Sammy and Kevin in uh, a match against the uh, Usos for the tag championships at Elimination Chamber, in which Sammy and Kevin will win in Montreal. It all adds up. My problem with that, though is can the Usos wrestle in Canada? That's the only thing that's really sort of throwing me off. So, I don't necessarily know if that will actually happen now that I think about it. Um, so, unless they sort of like film their match or their segment or whatever... In the States, I just, I don't know if they could go to Canada or not. I know they used to not be able to, but I don't know. Maybe they win before going to Canada and then they defend their titles against someone. Who knows? I just see eventually that, that happening. If Sammy were to turn on the bloodline. Um... Trying to think of what else I really want to talk about. Um, nothing really. I mean, like I said, it was a, an, it was your average show, right? It was very good background noise for me to scroll to TikTok to, um, with very little interesting spots. Right, every now and then I'll I'll pay attention, but I'm just not the type of person that's going to sit there and watch three hours of wrestling matches. I'm just not. I'm not going to sit there and just stare at my TV and sit there and watch eight 30-minute matches. I'm just not going to do it. Um, it's it, I just don't have the time for it. I don't have I don't have the attention span for it, and I just don't have the love for the in-game or in-ring match. Like to me, none of that matters. 
right? So many people are doing like their top five matches of all time or, you know, what was the best WrestleMania match? I don't give a fuck what the best WrestleMania match is because I don't care about entering like who's the best wrestler of all time. To me, you have to put The Rock or Roman Reigns on that list and so many people, right? If you said who's the best in-ring worker or in-ring wrestler of all time, like I would still say Roman Reigns. I'm going to be completely honest. With this run, Roman Reigns has proved to me that if you asked me for my Mount Rushmore of of wrestling, and this is going to be sort of a uh, cringy answer, um, if you were to ask me my top four, like my route, my Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. I'm going to be honest with you. Like I'm coming off the top of the dome real quick, but John Cena would be on there. Hulk Hogan would be on there. Um, so it would be Cena, Hogan, Rock. And then I have to, I have to put Roman Reigns on there. What Roman Reigns has done over the last three years, to me makes him one of the greatest of all time. He's definitely the PG era's superstar. Um, And, I mean, I think he's one of the best of all time. That's just my opinion. Um, you, you, Right? The way that Cena was sort of the ruthless aggression era, and, and he sort of represented and carried that era. Roman Reigns has carried this the last three years. On his shoulders. Um, and, and I think he deserves to be considered as one of the best of all time. Now, the eras were different. And so, I've never done, like, best of all time. I think that's a hard list to create. Um, but if you're, if you're asking about, like, my favorite wrestlers of all time, like, my list includes Randy Orton. It includes Triple H. And it includes... And, you know, Rock is on there, Stone Cold's on there, Roman Reigns is on there, I'll throw Seth Rollins, I'll throw Kevin Owens, um, I'm trying to do a top 10, I got 7, so Randy, Triple H, uh, Randy, Triple H, um, Roman, Rock, Austin, Hogan, Flair, as much as I'm not a big Flair fan, I don't necessarily think he was all that great, but uh, with, with the accomplishments, Cena has to be on there. Um, let's go through this list again, because I forgot how many I had. So, Rock, Austin, Roman, Cena, Hogan. Let's back up. Let's back up. I don't have this planned. I didn't plan on talking about this. But now that I'm talking about it, I want to make sure I do it right. So let's start from like the 80s because that's where I'm going to start from. I don't wanna, I'm don't. i sure the people before then, there were very good wrestlers. Um, but I'm going to start from about the 80s, like 84 area, like where like the TV era of wrestling. Um, Hogan, without a doubt, is the 80s era. Um, I don't think there's wrestling today without Hulk Hogan, at least in the way that we understand it. Um, so Hogan by far is on the list. 
Um, let's see. As we go through the uh, the rest of the eighties, um, I have some like people potentially that could be on there, but I'm not gonna put them on here yet until I see how many I got at the end. Because I know through the nineties, we'll go ahead and put Flair for the eight seventies and eighties. So Hogan, Flair, um, Rock, and Austin. Um, Triple H, Cena, Orton. We'll put Roman Reigns on there. And I got two more spots left. Um, which I will give to... I'm going to go ahead and put Seth Rollins on, and as a top 10 all time. I think Seth Rollins is a generational talent. And then we're going to go back in my 10th spot. Um, I have to give it to Macho. Macho Man should be in a top five of all time. Um, so, yeah, that's my top ten. If you were to ask me, like, my top ten wrestlers of all time, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ric Flair, Rock Austin, um, Cena, Triple H, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. And there's a lot of other people that are honorable mentions that are very good, but I just, you know, angle is good. Edge is good, but I, none of them sort of beat out the top 10 that I listed. Right. Um, I'm probably going to get killed for all of that, but anyway, um, yeah, that's my raw review. I don't have much else to say about it. Like I said, it was like a C plus at best. It was an average raw was good sort of background noise. Um, if, if they could just work on stories and I'm not talking about like long-term, just any story and sort of out making things entertaining enough to where you don't need to put the bloodline on every week. Right. But that's the only thing in the company that people care enough about to get to, to react to. Right. If I pay for a ticket to a raw or a SmackDown, I'm going to want to see Sammy. I'm going to want to see the Usos and solo and hope that maybe Roman Reigns is at the arena, right? So, um, I don't think Roman Reigns was there tonight. I think that segment was definitely pre-taped. Um, and do more of that with Roman, right? Do more of that with Roman where you pre-tape these segments and, and, and put them on TV so that people can shut up about, oh, Roman's never there all the time. Well, he's the fucking champion. He doesn't have to show up all the time. That's kind of the point of being champion. Anyway, especially a heel champion. Like, come on now. Um, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Again, follow me on the TikTok. Um, and, uh, yeah, my, my name is Randall Beatley. This is the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. Um, and I'll look, I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.